This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by VeriSign. Enter the Make Your Idea Internet Official Contest. Register a new .com domain name with the participating registrar during the contest entry period and enter for an opportunity to win up to $35,000. Learn more about the contest and its rules at verisigncontest.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Ted Wright. He is the CEO of word of mouth marketing firm Fizz and author of a fairly new book by the same title, Fizz, Harness the Power of Word of Mouth Marketing to Drive Brand Growth. So, Ted, thanks for joining me. Thank you, John. It's a real pleasure to be here. So uh, we were talking off air. You've had this company for a few years, Fizz. Um, I love the name, but uh, I'm guessing that when you started going to your Chamber of Commerce events and telling people your company name was Fizz, you probably had a few people say, what the heck is that? I did. And I, you know, I came th- through the idea of naming the company in a sort of a post-Google and post-eBay world, yeah. which is naming of the company at this point matters so much less than it used to. And it matters less because it, we are much more about a conversation between friends era of communication than we are broadcast. Yeah. So when NBC was around, it was like the national broadcasting company, bomb, bomb, bomb. And, you know, it was authority and all the rest of this. But now, you know, what is an eBay? What is a Google? What is a TiVo? Yeah. Now the name matches the experience, and people talk about the experience first. So I walked around my front yard for half an hour, and I was like, I came up with three things, and I picked one, and there you have it. Well, you know, I picked duct tape marketing as it was kind of the same thing. It was actually a metaphor for what I thought it was like uh, to to build a business. It was it actually came out a lot of my experience of doing it for many years uh, myself. And, you know, I think it's really great when a name can evoke kind of the idea that you're after. And I think that Fizz even goes as far as being an onomatopoeia. There, see my eighth grade English paid off. Uh, yes. You know, is is the the sound evokes kind of the the action of of spreading of word of mouth of viral or whatever we want to call it. Well, it does, and you know, I've talked often about sort of the effervescence of marketing, and once yeah. I kind of landed on fizz, and we had done a lot of work in the beverage business. Uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon was right. our very first client, and we had done some other stuff. So, I wanted to do something that was sort of evocative of that heritage but still was, you know, just simple and easy and what the heck. So Fizz seems like a lot of fun and people like saying it. And as you pointed out, I certainly had lots of questions from lots of different people. But that's good because questions start that's conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then they say, so what is it that you do? And I'm like, well, I'm so glad you asked. Let exactly. me tell you. So I'm going to ask you the next question. And then uh, before I let you answer, we're going to have a, a little ad from our sponsor. So hang on for that. But I've been doing this a long time. I know you have as well. And we've had lots of terms like publicity stunt and going viral and all this shareability and all these things now. And I wonder if we could just for a baseline define what it is, this thing called word of mouth marketing. So we're going to run an ad right now and then uh, come back and have you give us the answer to that. 
This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by HostGator, where you'll get 24-7 live support via chat, phone, email, one-click WordPress installs, easy-to-use website builder design services and marketing services like SEO and PPC, and for my listeners, a 30% discount. Go to HostGator.com slash promo slash duct tape. So word-of-mouth marketing is simply the encouragement of a business in order to get their consumers to talk about the products and services that that business sells as often as possible. Yeah. And, and the honest truth is word of mouth is not new. Um, our research back into the history is it's at least 11,000 years old. I mean, I think there were some guys on the Euphrates River that have, you know, I think we'll send out invitations and they made clay pots and their clay tablets and sent them out to people. And it was some recognizable version of a Tupperware party. Yeah, so, but, but, but I've been even going farther back than that or, or in that same vein. I mean, people always talked about, hey, where do you get the good lamb? You know, who's got the good stuff? And, and you know, when you're going up the river and you're, you're traversing, you want to get the good stuff. And I, I'm sure it go, you know, the, that, that idea is just human behavior, isn't it? That is. It is human behavior. And what was interesting, if you think about the way that humans have communicated since we really started doing that and recording what that was going on, is that in that entire 11,000-year history, there was a 70-year period where broadcast was very effective. So in the United States, sort of mid-20s through like the mid-90s. Otherwise, it's pretty much been face-to-face conversation. I mean, there's sort of Gutenberg up until the 1920s, and it's getting more and more and more useful then. But the real power of that has come, and sadly, it is now waning. And broadcast as an effective use of communication, to steal from Sergio Zeman, right, marketing is about selling more stuff to more people more often for more money. And, you know, he said, if you're not going to do that, you know, then just get out of my office. <laughs> but the first part of that quote is the really interesting part. And for us, we have determined that once a media market defined as North America, defined as Western Europe, defined as your little town, has had at least 35 years of ubiquitous color television in its community, ubiquitous being at least 85% penetration into the marketplace, once that era hits, people in that community basically get the joke. And the joke is that not everybody tells the truth <laughs> all the time in their advertising and or even in, you know, in your newscaster or something like that, you know, to quote a recent thing. Yeah. So the the reality is that when asked, people in these mature media markets, eight out of ten of them will tell the pollster that they do not believe that companies and organizations and governments tell the truth in their advertising. Yeah. And that's juxtaposed against seven out of ten of those same people say, oh, but I trust my friend to tell me the truth about stuff that they know about. Well, or even even worse, I trust a perfect stranger who is telling me about something on a website. I mean, I think that, that rates higher than uh, the company advertising. You know, it does. And, and particularly when you go and you look at the online pieces, uh, particularly when somebody tells a story online yeah. and lets you know a little bit more about themselves. Like, oh, I'm traveling with my husband and our two children and we're going to Brazil and we really like this hotel exactly. because of this, because the kids are this age. And then people can match up and they can put themselves in your situation. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, story, and I know we're going to talk a lot about that because it's it's really all about the story. Um, and and I have for years uh, been telling small business owners, in particularly, you know, tell your personal story. And and of course, they you know resisted that. Oh, that's not professional. People don't want to know about me. They want to know about our great product. And and it's really been kind of encouraging to see how full circle we've come. And and now it's if we don't connect with you personally, it doesn't really matter about your product. Well, it doesn't, and that is because uh, humans just uh, have an ability to tell more information and more nuanced information in story form than they do just sort of straight-up recitations. So as you'll notice, you know, in the chapter of my book that goes into small business, you know, I mean, I exhort people not to go and hire professional word-of-mouth marketers like myself if you're of a certain size because Mm – you know, two million or less in annual revenue, you ought to be doing all of this stuff yourself. Because right. I want you out there in the community, however you're defining that community, and honestly, however you're defining out there, it could be a perfectly wonderful digital play, or you could be physically out there. However it is, you need to be out there having conversations with people because that is very helpful for them to remember because it is us going out and and sharing our story and allowing those influencers to come to us as small businesses and then request more information or, oh, tell me more about this. And then the share rate for those influencers is so grossly out of proportion with the rest of the population that it's one one in ten of whatever population leave the other nine into buying everything. Yeah, and and I think a point that I want to emphasize because I I got it, but I think you went over – kind of quickly is people don't talk about boring companies. They don't talk about, you know, it's not enough to just have a story. It's got to be something people want to share. I, uh, I wrote a book on referrals and I, I do a lot of speaking on the idea of generating more referrals. And I always give my audience a little trouble. I say, I say, look, right off the bat, I know I'm going to be up here for an hour. Right off the bat, I'm going to share with you the secret to be, to, to getting more referrals. And, uh, you know, I'm going to just do that in the first slide. And I put a slide up there. that says, be more referable. Um, and, and, you know, that's really what we're talking about. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, okay, we have to do this. We have to tell stories and we have to do this stuff to get word of mouth marketing. But the point is, you've really got to be doing something that's worth talking about. That's true. And for us, you know, in trying to help small businesses, we kind of break that down a little bit further and say, hey, so what's a talkable story? What's a referable story? What is a cool story? So for us, we take in three pieces. We say, okay, is the story interesting? As in, will an influencer, with these people that like to share stories with their friends and like to try new things, will they pick up your story and will they examine it? And we're like, oh, well, that's really interesting. I didn't know that this little sweeper was super awesome at picking up these small Lego bricks that I'm always stepping on in the middle of the night. Right? And, so, and then the second step is, is the story relevant? So we believe, and I think that there's a lot of third-party data out there that shows that this is true, that influencers never share a story with somebody that they think the person hearing that story will not be interested. It is an irrelevant story to them. So, for example, I have a great personal story about Mustela baby wipes, which are these awesome baby wipes, and I believe that they will put back into a young parent's life six hours of sleep per month per parent. And people are like, if you have a new baby, like, oh, how did how what is this miracle thing, and how many millions of dollars can I give to you? Yeah. And I explain why. I explain construction. I explain all these other things. 
by the way, not a client, just my own personal experience that I ran into this. And so I tell that story. But if your kids are 12, I'm not going to share you that story because that story would be, as an influencer, I would know it would be irrelevant to you. And the one thing influencers love more than anything else is sharing stories with their friends. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, is the story authentic? You know, is it, it, does it jive, to use a phrase, with how somebody currently understands either the category or the specific business? And if it's interesting, relevant, and authentic, then that is what is you put, you know, a relatable story, a remarkable story, a something that is worth referring somebody to somebody else. The, um, you know, I'm going to come back to that idea of context uh, with the influencers, but uh, um, one of the things I, I would love to cover, uh, the, you know, their entire marketing departments or components of marketing departments now that are charged with influencing influencers. <laughs> um, you know, how do you actually do that? How do you actually find them? Who is an influencer? Uh, is, is, you know, blogger outreach the same thing as influencing a market? So influencers is less of about a title and more of a personality type. So an influencer has three particular personality traits that are dominant within that person. They like to try new things because they're new. They love to share stories with their friends. And they are intrinsically motivated, i.e., you cannot give them small amounts of stuff yeah. or money and get them to do something. Yeah. Now, you can give us life-changing money. I've, somebody just won the $600 million lottery. So they give me their ticket, I promise that I will say to whoever I can find <laughs> that their whatever is the most awesomest thing in the world. Because when we're done, I'm going to buy an island and put my face on the money, and I'm going to call it Zumunda, and it's going to be fabulous. Yeah. But that's my own dream. So if a story is, if you know that influencers are out there seeking stories, and you love, and they love to try new things, then your job as a, as a business owner is not to say, how can I attract these people? But how can I do something that is worth talking about? And by the doing it, and by trying, you know, hey, where could I go and find people who might be interested in this story? And just go by simply sharing like, hey, I'm this person and I like to do this and here's why. I'm super into landscape design and let me just show you these pictures right. of, or whatever it is. People will go and they will come to you. Influencers come to you. Why do they come to you? Because they're seeking out stories. Why are they seeking out stories? Because they love to share those stories with their friends. That's just what they do. Yeah. So in the audience, the people who are listening to us, we all might know a musician or a writer, and we know that those musicians just have to play music or they're just going to die inside. And writers just have to write. Influencers are the same way. If they're not sharing stories with their friends as often as they you know, can in a socially acceptable way, they just, they just don't feel very good. They yeah. feel like they're not making it. Yeah, being, being the one who's in the know is kind of their currency almost. In the know and also the person that is bringing them information that helps them, you know, even in small ways. It helps their audience even in small ways. So, yeah. um, you know, I said... In my book, I said, you know, influencers share stories as a way of expressing love for, the, for, for people. And that's all the different types of love that there is. So it's not, you know, all just about the romance part of it. This is like, hey, I, I love you. I like you as a person. I'd like your life to be better. Now, it's not always life-changingly better. 
sometimes it's like, hey, John, I see you do podcasts a lot. Have you heard about this microphone? My friend uses it and says it's fabulous, and he's a professional DJ. I thought you might want to know about it, too. Yep. That's it. And the average conversation is like 32 seconds long. So it's not a diatribe. It's not recitation of a white paper. It's two people who know each other sharing a quick story about something. And then if it's really interesting, people say, oh, well, tell me more. Well, and it's that more part that you want to arm the influencers with because then they have additional stories. Yeah. And they say, oh, no, really, seriously, the Buick uh, minivan is super awesome. We just got one. Let's go for a ride. Or here, hit the insane button on my Tesla. You know, and we're going to go zero to 70 in three and a half seconds. And I'm going to get my GoPro camera out and put you on and then, you know, put you on YouTube. And now all of a sudden that's a thing. Yeah, and I, and I think what you're um... – Relating here is I think a lot of people, a lot of marketers, particularly think in terms of influencers as known people with large audiences. They have 100,000 Twitter followers. They have 40,000 blog readers. And I think there's a lot of focus on those folks. And I think what you're suggesting is that we're going direct. It might be one-to-one, but we're going direct to, uh, to, the, to those influencers who actually are sharing with their friends in whatever space they share in. Yes, size of market for us is the least interesting metric. And I would just like, for all the people listening, I would like to compare Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres. Mm -hmm. So Oprah moved markets. Oprah was everybody's best friend, so much so that if you ever called her Ms. Winfrey, people would be like, that's so weird. She's (laughs) Oprah, right? right? Because she had that influencer personality. She she just said, oh, my God, this thing, and Stedman loved it, and blah, 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 and I used it. Everyone was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Ellen DeGeneres, wonderful person, seems to have a very successful television show, doing lots of other stuff. Does not move markets. Huh. Does not move markets. There's no Ellen's book club. There's Oprah's book club. She's been off the TV for three or four years now. She's still surfacing books that everyone should read. And I was like, oh my God, if Oprah said, you know, let's go look. Because she's been right so many times, because she recommended to her friends, it just happened to be her friends were the 330 million people who live in America, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to all the rest of it. But that's the personality. So with respect to those that are still measuring on the how many people, um, I could, you know, it would cost me about $630 to go have 100,000 right. Twitter followers, yep. right? Who, who cares? Yep. Absolutely. So let's go back to that uh, that uh, topic of building those. So we've built those influencers. We're starting to get them to share and, and start telling stories. How do we show the love to them? I mean, how do we build intentionally build a community? I think I think where some people sometimes I think they put out a great thing. They get a lot of word of mouth. People are really excited. They're actually out there evangelizing because they actually love it. And the company doesn't necessarily do enough to build a tribe um, out of those folks. So by to build a tribe, you have to authentically love what you do. Yep. And you also have to be willing to show that love. And if you're, you know, I really love music. So we have several friends and clients. They're now friends. They were clients. They're, we're friends and now they're clients. However that works. <laughs> they're musicians. And like, you know, hundreds of, you know, thousands, millions of albums kind of musicians. They love their music and they'll play little tiny shows every once in a while just cause sure. just cause it freaks out all the fans like oh my god I can't believe you know blah 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 is here and, and it's 70 people yeah. and why do they do that 
because those 70 people are going to go out of their minds and for the next five years they're going to tell everybody and then you play this song and this song and this song and to an artist they know that nobody wakes up in the morning saying huh I'm going to go drop $150 on going to just some random concert I pick. Yeah. Half the, my, we have a client that says going to a concert is like therapy, going to marriage counseling or going to therapy. Half the people are there because somebody else brought them. And so <laughs> I always think I always think that's an amazing that's an amazing thought. But when you think about that, it's about building a community. And if you guys think it's cool as the company or the brand, and you think it's neat and you think it's on topic for you, you should do it almost to the exclusion of, well, what if these people don't like it? Eh, we got 330 million Americans. You know, We have people who name their children Walker and Texas Ranger, or at least that's what it was in the movie. <laughs> so there's somebody who loves your stuff no matter what it is that you're making. So just embrace the love, embrace the passion, and say, oh, you're geeky about Breathe Right No Strips? I'm geeky about the debris. Let's go put them on and go run around the parking lot and see how much better we feel, right? Eventually, it becomes a thing. Who knew that it was going to be? So, uh, you know, those guys that do the TV show, but the ducks and their, their duck calls, right? And yeah. There's four guys that made duck calls, and they went around and said, oh, you like duck calls, and we like duck calls. Let's talk about duck calls. I know nothing about duck calling or ducks or hunting ducks. In that conversation, I wouldn't be a part of it. But that's fabulous because then they're not spending any time on me. They're spending time on my uncles and my cousins who love this kind of stuff. They're like, oh, my God, let's talk about this. And I had a dream about this, and this is how we should call these ducks at this time of the year and blah, 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 blah. And they go and they have their nerd fest, which is awesome because that's what everybody does. I, because you've been selling word-of-mouth marketing for a long time, I'm certain that you've had a CEO say, how are we going to measure this? Yes. So we, I look right in the face and say, we want to measure this by what are your increased sales. We want to say, we are doing, you're doing these five things. So let's just take, we work some, for some really big global companies now. And some of them want to get down to the nth degree because they figure out if they can run this program and over their $47 billion worth of sales globally, if they can add $2 billion a year, that's super awesome. So sometimes they measure things down to the nth degree, and you can do that. You can tell how much word of mouth plays versus how much this radio campaign plays versus how much this sponsorship plays. You can mathematically tell all those things. It's just expensive, and it's a little bit more expensive uh, because it's more difficult to measure where people are having conversations, but it's totally mm -hmm. doable. Yeah. Yeah, because you, know, you think about you know all those conversations being held in you know private groups on Facebook. Exactly. Well, let's even look at that, right? So there's private groups on Facebook, but not only the private groups on Facebook, but there's also forums, mm -hmm. and none of the bots and the crawlers can necessarily get into those right. forums unless you have permission. And those forums sometimes, as just to speak of the electronic communities, mm -hmm. are amazing. Some of those have existed since listservs. Yep. So I know we're talking about, you know, small businesses, and that's really your forte, and God love you for doing that because, you know, that's awesome, and that's what employs all these Americans all over the place. If you're a small business person, measurement of word of mouth is even easier, and it is even easier than large corporations because you, Ms. Small Business Owner America, 
are in the community every day. And you will know when this campaign starts working because people will start coming and talking to you and say, oh, yeah, Judy told me about this, and I'm super into making soap, and I would like to come buy my stuff here because she says you're really nice and you know about all this stuff, That's and right. I want to make soap for my cat yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so write that down. Uh, yes, so right. Track Soap for cats. Um, and, and so as a small business owner, you see this, and you see this, faster than the big companies because you're out there every day. Yeah. Uh, the big company equivalent is that salesman, you know, like mm -hmm. your father or my father were out there every day. They knew something was working because all of a sudden they'd get a response from somebody and like, oh, they've already heard about this. 60% of my sale is already done. Yep. Wow, check it out. And then five or six months later, it's like people are coming to you like, I've been trying to get in that person's office for a year to talk to them. And all of a sudden, their assistant is calling me. What's going on? And what happened is they heard from somebody they trust that you're really good at doing X. They need X. And they just call you. Yeah, and you know you could certainly make a case. I know, I know you do make a case that that's a much more effective approach than had you gotten the appointment in the first place and went in there and sold your stuff, right? Uh, that because because their friend actually told them about the benefit that they got, it was no longer okay. The walls up, you know, for the sales message because their friend wasn't selling them anything. Right, friends share, <clears throat> salesmen sell. Both are equally valid exactly. professions. Both are equally valid things. They just have different need outcomes from the end of the action. A, a, sh a friend is sharing something with you, and they assume that you're smart enough to take advantage of it because, you know, they're friends and you guys know each other. Salespeople need you to do something that you weren't expecting to do. In order so, for them to get paid. Uh, in order for them to get Another factor. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. In order to make, their, to make their money so that their kids – can eat and go to school and do all the rest of those things. They have to have X number of sales. What's awesome is when both things happen. Right. When you can go in and use those sales tactics to an environment that people have already heard about this and go, oh, yeah, Louise told me about that about three months ago. We were at swim team and blah, blah, blah. And they, they tell, and what happens for the salespeople and you guys are listening who are salespeople will love this. What happens is they start telling you, the salesperson, your pitch yep. Yep. and they're looking for confirmation and for expansion on the theme your your theme is already sold. Yep. That's already, oh yeah, Louise said it's good, and you know, she never likes anything, and she loved this, so I'm already sold that we need to use you as a floor cleaner thing, but, you know, how long does it really take to dry, and because I've got people coming over tomorrow or next week for Thanksgiving dinner, so how fast can we get in here, and tell me about the stairs, and they're asking those kind of buying questions. Yep. And, and the message, I think the further message, too, is, you know, I think really smart salespeople are understanding that their job is to start making connections with those influencers um, that, because those, those are the folks that are going to sell for them as well. They are. And, John, you know, you're leading me to say, okay, so – and all the people say, oh, say, how do I, how do I find these influencers? Okay. Yeah. So first of all, we've already gone over part of it. They're going to come to you. Right? And mm -hmm. so when they come to you, now just because somebody comes to you doesn't mean they're an influencer. It means they're seeking out information. But they're more likely to be influential than those people that didn't come seek you out. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you have really good ability 
to follow up with them and give them as much information as possible. And you, once they have come to you, you have the social currency and the grace to contact them again and just keep sharing more information and more stories. And if you're doing remarkable stuff and I like your stuff, keep sending me things. It doesn't irritate me, right? News is news if it's interesting to you. Junk, that same thing could be junk mail if you don't care. And, and I see some companies doing that really well, just even in public places like Twitter, where somebody will remark about X product and the company will jump in and say, did you know it also did blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a really simple way to, to, to scale that. That's exactly right. And, yeah. and this is why we are pro every tool that somebody can use. We're not negative against any tool what we are fundamentalist about and really require for everybody in order to do the best job they can is use of that tool. Is that creating more conversations than using a different tool or that same tool yeah. in a different way? Yeah. If it is, by goodness, go that direction. That's right. More conversations is the goal because to a certain degree, word of mouth is a numbers game. 10% of the population are going to be influencers. So it's better to have 1,000 conversations than 500 conversations. So, Ted, is there anywhere um, – I know, obviously, the book is available everywhere. Um, is there any way you're, you want to send people to to get more information about uh, Fizz in its various forms? Sure. So the website is fizzcorp, F-I-Z-Z-C-O-R-P, dot com. Um, or they can always ring us here in Atlanta at 404-638-1066. Wait, that would, that would mean I'd have to have a phone. That would mean that okay. you would have to have a phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. So there is, uh, I, I yeah, want to tell you one we, quick story. Uh, um, please. There is a uh, awesome, awesome bar. It used to be a pretty much a biker hangout, and then uh, somebody bought it, and they started bringing in really great music there. So now it's a slash hipster biker bar, <laughs> but, uh, uh, which is an interesting dynamic. But uh, um, I go there for uh, concerts, and they do this uh, really great uh, uh, jam, blues jam, on Saturday afternoons, and you can get a 20-ounce PBR for 2 bucks. That, that's my peeps. That's my peeps. <laughs> and when people buy the book, we actually tell the story about in there, and the New York Times has written about it, and other people have written about it, about how that was created and so for the folks that are like, oh, I couldn't be globally dominant, you can because Sergey didn't think about that when he wrote Google. He just wrote an algorithm and thought, oh, I'm going to do all this. And, you know, that's the dominant platform no matter what the name of it is. That's the way people are getting their information. And it was all PBR, Google, all of these things, they spread over word of mouth, not over broadcast because that's just the way people do things today. Yep. Yeah, no question. Well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Pick up Fizz, harness the power of word of mouth marketing to drive brand growth. You see how I did that Fizz? It was very, very evocative, wasn't it? It was awesome. (laughs) Thank you, John. Thanks so much, and hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road. I'd like to. Thank you, John. 